What is up, everybody? Welcome into the Locked On Sabres podcast with Joe DiBiase. And this is getting, you know, I, I was excited when the Sabres were winning earlier in the year because I liked doing these polls. I liked having these uh, this discussion with fans on Twitter, like who's the best Sabre all time at this number? Um, and the way I set it up at the beginning of the year was, hey, I'm going to do it based on how many points the Sabres have. Probably a bad idea because we've only been able to do one of those in what the last month that they uh, how many wins do they have? The, the Sabres lose again tonight uh, to the Boston Bruins, recording this on Thursday night after the game, and they're still stuck at 23 points. Maybe I should have done those polls based on how, well, what game of the year it was instead. But then you know you're limiting yourself to 82 being the the top, the top end, and there's some guys in the 90s you might want to think about, although maybe there might not be an argument, uh, might not be multiple guys in the 90s and who the best Sabre is ever at, I don't know, number 93. Doug Gilmore wore that, right? And he wasn't a great Sabre or anything, but who else wore it? Um, so maybe I should have done it that way. But we're already in we're in too deep at this point. But not enough, no opportunity for that tonight. Uh, although, I do think the Sabres played well. I think it was a good game. And I am... I'm giving them a pass for tonight. I'm not giving them a pass on the season. I'm not giving the organization a pass for what this roster is. I'm not giving a lot of people a pass. But what I am giving, uh, who I am giving a pass right now is the coach and the players because I do think against Boston, which is the number one team in the Atlantic Division right now, one of the uh, serious contenders to win the Stanley Cup this year, you went into their building and you outplayed them. You really did. The, the only thing the Bruins were level with you on were high danger scoring chances and that was right down the middle. It was exactly 50-50. Otherwise, the Sabres had the puck more. Their quantity of chances were higher and really you just ran into a really good goaltender. And that Maybe that that's part, I think, of what the Sabres' flaw is right now uh, as a team is not only are there so many questions and so many holes on the and their skating group with the forwards and the defense, but they do not have a goaltender that can make up for and carry them at times um, when they're not playing well. And Tuka Rask, even though he hasn't been a great goalie in the past couple years, he's a goalie that is capable of uh, of that type of play, and he did that tonight. That blocker save he makes on Evan Rodriguez. Is that the save of the year in the NHL? I know Marc-Andre Fleury's glove save for the Knights the other night. God, Babcock fired. That was an insane save. Um, This Rask save on Rodriguez tonight, that's right up there. And I imagine it's going to be, you know, that'll be played around. Sports Center top 10. Is that still a thing that people watch? Because it'll be on there. I guarantee it. Um, Allmark was okay. 24 saves on 27 shots. I really think you would have, you would have, the goals were okay. Like I'm not going to crush him for him, but maybe I'd like to have him have another save or two to get that game to overtime. Um, so an, an okay performance from Lena Solmark. He's got to really, I think, step his game up if he's ever going to be the starting goalie for the Sabres, and I'm not really counting on that happening as of yet. We'll go through uh, how some of the players were deployed tonight and some quick fixes I think the Sabres could really use uh, for their lineup right now that uh, Ralph Kruger hasn't even really tried yet. But... All in all, I think the overall message from Sabres and Bruins is they played much better. And that was what I was more worried about during the win streak. Should be, And that should be really the same as now, I think, to some extent. Now, if you went back right now and you listened to one of my episodes from late October when they were maybe still first place in the NHL, that's right, that was about a month ago, The then you might hear me 
talk about how I don't care as much what the results are. I don't care as much that you won this game. How did you play in that game? That's what I was more worried about because you're looking for things that are sustainable um, over the course of a season. And I was worried that there wasn't enough of that in their early season success. And that has definitely come to fruition. I don't think it'd be this bad, but that's definitely come to fruition in the last couple of weeks. So, but in that same light, in that same respect, I think you have to look at them tonight and think, okay, when they were winning, I wanted to see signs that they weren't just getting the results and they weren't just getting great goaltending, but they are a legitimately good team and they did play well. And that's what happened tonight. You didn't get the result, but you did play well. So I don't want to crush them for that. I think that especially against that opponent, it was a good job by the Sabres and, um, I guess you can hit the pause button, pause button on uh, just burn everything to the ground right now. Although we are we are on, we are on the verge of that. I think um, the, the conversations about the GM's job status are going all around with Saber fans right now that uh, that really even care at this point because you know a lot of fans are losing interest and it's in their own that's that's their right the way this team has played the last few years. Um, a couple of other things I do want to look at in a second. Here in the Lockdown Sabres podcast, Joe DiBiase hanging out with you here. A couple things I want to look at that Ralph Kruger decided to do. Ristolainen in front of the net. Basically, like, the 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 idiot caller that calls into WGR, Sports Radio 550, in the summer. And when it's a slow weekday, who knows? He's like, hey, let's put Ristolainen forward. You don't need to trade him. He's fast. He can skate. He's got a big shot. And he just thinks that that's going to work and that, that can just happen. Well, he didn't necessarily, I guess, switch to forward, but here's Ralph Kruger using him as the net front presence guy on the power play, and he scored off of it, and then he did it again with him at the end of the game when you're down a goal. So a different way they're using Ristolainen, and maybe this is a last gasp to see, hey, can you do anything else for us before we really try to trade you, before we, we really move on from you? I would hope that's in part what this is. Um but Ristolainen playing in front of the net. We'll talk a little bit about that. What they did on the blue line tonight. A couple of interesting things that I noticed. And then, you know, Ralph Kruger's been adamant that he doesn't want to put Jeff Skinner with Jack Eichel consistently on the same line because he wants to spread out and he wants balanced scoring. But if that's the case, there is another solution where you can have those guys together and you can still have your balanced scoring. I got an idea on that as well. Um, Casey Middlestat, a thought on him. And um, a look ahead. A look ahead to what the next game is, which is the Florida Panthers on Sunday, 5 o'clock. Is that night? Is it fair to say night? Late evening? Sunday late evening. We'll go with that. The Sabres play the Florida Panthers. That's coming up next here on the Locked On Sabres podcast with Joe DiBiase. Before I do take a time out, though, I want to quickly tell you about DoorDash. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve. Favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code LOCKEDON. That's all one word, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Download the DoorDash app, enter the promo code LOCKEDON. Listening on the go? If you can't visit DoorDash right now, you can find this and all other offers from LockedOn sponsors like ours here on Locked On Sabres at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Sabres podcast with Joe DiBiase. I, I don't know. I don't. You know, sometimes it's amazing that I have words on this team. I find something to say on them. I appreciate a lot of you uh, reaching out and uh, 
letting me know that you enjoy the podcast. I am enjoying doing it. It was a lot more fun when they were winning, though. Like, I was hoping, you know, I'm just getting into podcasting here about the Sabres professionally with, with Locked On uh, podcast here. And then, of course, I do my radio show at WGR Sports Radio 550 in Buffalo um, over the past couple years. And you know, what sucks for me the most growing up a Buffalo sports fan and especially a Sabres fan is that, like, that's that I fell in love with them first. Like, as a 24-year-old from sports fan from Buffalo – I don't really remember 99, which is, of course, Home Run Throwback, Music City Miracle. I don't really remember the Stanley Cup. I don't remember No Goal. I don't really remember Hashik. Like, 2002 was probably the first time. Like, what I can really think back. Like, I know I was watching sports before that. It's like a five- and six-year-old even. But the first memories I really have are, like, 2002. Like, I can remember, like, right when Drury gets here. I can remember right when Briere gets here and him playing with Miroslav Shatan. And I can remember Zhitnik. And, like, I can remember that. But I fell in love with the Sabres, I think. And but maybe a bigger reason I'm a bigger hockey fan today than I am a football fan is because the Sabres got to me first. 0506, 0607, like, you, you, how could you not just fall in love with those teams? And I'm not sure I felt the same way about any sports team ever that I did about that 0506 Sabres team. In fact, the team that might even come closest right now, which is amazing because I've just gotten into soccer in the past couple years, is actually Liverpool in the English Premier League. I've gotten into soccer a lot, and it's like there's no heartbreak with them right now, and it's like that's refreshing. And fast forward now, now that I'm actually doing it professionally, what sucks is, like, I still want that feeling, but the team is just does, doesn't do anything to get you even near that. Like, I, I think back to that 0506 team, and, you know, it's the 50th year anniversary, so th- that team comes up a little bit more often now that you kind of go back in Sabres history and you think about some of your favorite players and your favorite teams and such. One thing about that team was, like, you was there anybody on the team you didn't like? Like, maybe, maybe, I'm sure some people had guys they didn't like. But during that run, I liked every single player on the team. And I'll look back at them now and think, like, oh, yeah, Novotny. Nuri Novotny, cool. Like, he was good. Danny Paye, only good memories about Danny Paye. And Taylor Pyatt, yeah, remember when he passed that puck through the air to J.P. Dumont right before he scored Game 3 overtime to go up 3-0 on the Ottawa Senators? Uh, Tapo Newman in, like, name any player. And you could be like, yeah, love that guy. Like, do you have any negative feelings about anybody on that team? And you're just you're nowhere near that with the Sabres right now. Like, it's hard to find anything positive to say about a lot of these players. Like, Eichel, of course, is just he's carrying this team on his back so far this year. He's 11th in scoring right now uh, in the NHL. He had an assist tonight. Maybe that moves him back into the top 10. I haven't checked. It probably does, actually. Uh, no, it doesn't. So he's still 11th in the NHL. Eichel, you got that with him. Like, I don't know how you could possibly think that Eichel's not doing everything possible. He's even fighting now to try to, to make this team win. But past him, even Darlene is struggling now. It's tough. It's really tough to, uh, to 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 love this team right now. And I feel for season ticket holders who are spending hard their hard-earned money on a product that is just flat-out awful right now. Like, that building is... A library. It really—it's been a library for five, six years. It is quiet, and 
That's because fans have had nothing to cheer about for almost a decade. So it's 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 sad times right now uh, for the Sabers. I didn't really mean to get into kind of a, a rant and kind of reminiscing there on the Sabers, but I guess it just kind of naturally happened. So I'm going to take another time out here, and then when we come back, a couple more thoughts I had that I teased in the last segment um, from Sabers Bruins, including Casey Middlestat, um, an idea I have to to get Skinner back with Eichel while still having balanced scoring. And um, the wrist line in front, or not wrist, well, wrist line in front of the net in part, but just looking at what Ralph Kruger did with the blue line uh, in Boston tonight. That's coming up next on the Lockdown Sabres podcast here with Joe DiBiase. Lockdown Sabres podcast continues here with Joe DiBiase. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks, everybody, for sticking with me here. And uh, a couple thoughts I have from Sabres and Bruins before we preview uh, what, what's going on with the Florida Panthers right now, who is the Sabres' next opponent. Ristolainen in front of the net. I like it. I would like to see a little more of it before I determine how good it actually is. I'm sure Ralph Kruger has the same thought. I thought it was a little risky to put him in that situation at the end of the game when you needed a goal, which that's really what Sam Reinhart does best. Um so that was interesting. I don't. I think it was an interesting idea. It was a little risky, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna crush Ralph Kruger for trying it because they did score a goal off it earlier in the game. So I like that idea. You know, they play the Bruins tonight. The Bruins have done that plenty of times throughout Zdeno Chara's career, where they just throw him in front of the net because of his size, because of his physicality, and because he's so hard to move from the net front to move from in front of your goaltender. And that's where I think the thinking is with Ristolainen the most. Like his puck skills are okay. His his, uh, his, I have no idea actually really what his defl- his skills would be with deflecting the puck and tipping it. But one thing the wrist line and absolutely is hard to move from a net front. He is rock solid. You see guys try to hit him and they bounce off him. Like he, j- he wrist line and crushes them even when he doesn't see them coming. So I can see why that would be uh, an asset that uh, wrist line and has that would make him a good candidate to play in front of the net. Um, one thing I did like from the Sabres tonight is that at near the end of the game, they went with Yoki Haru and Darlene as the two defensemen when they were down one. And Yoki Haru's minutes are still not that high at all. In fact, he was second lowest on the team tonight at, on, on defense with just 16 minutes and 17 seconds. He's not playing a whole lot. But situationally, I do like how they're using him, and I did like how Ralph Kruger used him tonight. Putting him with Rasmus Dahlin, that was a very offensive pair, and what you noticed on that one shift they had near the end of the game, they moved the puck out of their own end so effortlessly, and it made it a lot easier to enter the offensive zone, because they were. it took almost no effort, and the forwards didn't have to help them out to get him out of the defensive end, and I think that's really what that Yoki haru Dahlin pairing does for you. My hope would be that that pairing, that that really maybe could be your number one pairing for years to come. It's probably a little bit presumptuous to to assume that Yoki Haru is going to be a number one defenseman, or I even should say top pair defenseman, but I like the way his game reads and the way that it meshes with Dalene. and he was a former first round pick, so it wouldn't be crazy to think he could become a, uh, a top pair defenseman in the NHL, and in fact, the way he's trending right now as a rookie, he looks like maybe he does have the potential to be that someday, so I love the idea of Do- Dalene and Yoki Haru being like a, a great Sabres pairing for the next 10 years. Um, so I'd like to still see a little bit more of that uh, so far this year. Now, here's my idea. And it's not new. You've heard me say it probably a million times. But Ralph Kruger has been asked repeatedly about Jeff Skinner playing with Jack Eichel and why he hasn't really done it. Only it happened on the power play and shifts once in a while, but not that often. 
There's a simple solution to it, especially with Marcus Johansson out of the lineup as your second-line center. Put Sam Reinhardt down the freaking middle. Put him at center. He is capable of it. He is good at it. He is not as good as he is at wing, but he's still good at it. And what you could do then is have more flexibility to move your lines around. Ralph Kruger maybe feels like right now he can't put Jeff Skinner with Jack Eichel because if he does that, it's going to look like what it did with Phil Housley last year where it's just one great line and you get nothing from the other lines. And in a way, that's happening right now, but Skinner is still producing away from Jack Eichel. But Reinhardt at center on the second line or hell, even like consolation prize, put him at, put him at wing. But you can move Reinhardt, I think, away from Jack Eichel and he will still produce. He's not the player that he was two, three years ago where it seemed he would only produce when he was with Jack Eichel or with Ryan O'Reilly. Now I do believe that Reinhardt is capable as a player, as a playmaker, as a puck carrier, that and to be the main decision maker on his line that he can flourish even if it's away from Jack Eichel and then that would allow you to put Jeff Skinner back with Eichel. So Fans might not love that idea, but if you want Jeff Skinner with Eichel, which I think a lot of fans might want to see happen again, you paid this guy $9 bucks to be Jack Eichel's left wing for the next eight years, you're going to have to, I think, move Reinhardt. You just can't, the way the roster is set up right now, you cannot afford to have all three of them on the same line, and you don't really need to have all three of them on the same line. What we saw last year was an aged Jason Pominville with Skinner and Eichel, the J. Crew line, produced just as much Look at any metric. It produced just as much, even if you want to look at generic numbers like goals, as the same line did, but with Reinhardt on it instead of Pommetville. So I would like to see that. Put Skinner back up with Eichel. Move Reinhardt, especially with Johansson out, to second line center. What What's it going to hurt? You've lost nine of your last 12 anyways. And more than that, I think they've lost 10 of their last 12 now. They have, actually. Um, and they've lost nine of their last 10. So... What's it going to hurt? Try it. You're willing to try Ristolainen and a forward on the power play, but you're not willing to risk or try Sam Reinhardt at center? Holy cow, come on. Let's see it happen, and I hope that it does happen. Quickly, looking at the next opponent, the Florida Panthers, Sunday at 5 o'clock. I think I, I settled on a late afternoon game, a late evening game uh, for the Sabres, a dinner time matinee uh, for the Buffalo Sabres. That will be Sunday after the Bills play, by the way, um, against the Florida Panthers. Florida is legit. Florida is good. That was a team that I thought was going to finish top three in their division. I think I think my hot take coming into the season was that Florida would win the division. And as it stands right now, they're four points behind Boston for first, but they are second place in the division. They had their second four-goal comeback of the week tonight. They can score. They've now won three in a row. Bobrovsky is still struggling a little bit, but he's starting to see some improved play. And, I mean, if he really hits his stride and he's a Vesna-level goaltender like he's been for five, six years, then we are talking about a team that is complete with good forwards at the top, good high-end guys like Barkov and Huberto, good forward depth like guys like Vincent Trocek behind him and a lot of others. Um, Evgeny Dadnoff, who not a lot of people know about, is a really good uh, depth scorer for them. In fact, he might even be on their top line now. He might not even be qualified as a depth scorer. And then their blue line is good, and their blue line is deep. Mark Pesic, who is a, a solid second, third pair defenseman, has been healthy scratched at times this year just because they're so deep on the blue line, and they have the franchise guy in Aaron Ekblad. Now they have the elite goaltender two in Sergei Bobrovsky. Like, they were missing that last year was the goaltending. Uh, Luongo and James Reimer just weren't getting it done. 
Now, they still haven't been getting it done with Bobrovsky, but he's starting to play better. And if he does figure it out, I think that team could still win the division. And as it stands today, I do believe they're the second best team in the division, at least until Tampa figures things out. And Toronto uh, figures things out too, by the way. Toronto looked good tonight. First game under Sheldon Keefe, he changed a ton of stuff. He moved Alex Kerfoot to wing. He moved this Russian rookie they got up to the top line with Tavares. He put Tyson Berry up on the top line and on the or on the top uh, uh, defense pairing and on the top penalty power play unit. And he scored his first goal as a Leaf. And Toronto won their first game in like a, in like a year. So. Here, maybe Toronto's back. I think Sheldon Keefe's a better coach than Mike Babcock. So they're ahead of the Sabres now by a point, even though they've played two more games. So it's going to be tough sledding. It's a tough division. It was always going to be a tough division. Florida getting better with Joel Quenville and, Mike ba- and, uh, and uh, Sergei Bobrovsky was only going to add to that. And that is the Sabres' next opponent. So I will talk to you uh, next, probably tomorrow. Um, maybe Sunday, but I do plan on uh, recording a podcast tomorrow and actually even Saturday. So I might even have two podcasts for you before we get to the Florida Panthers. Take a look around the league a little bit, what's going on in the division. I hope to have uh, my actual co-host from the Lockdown NHL podcast, uh, Mike DiStefano from Lockdown Leafs on to talk a little bit about what's going on up with Toronto right now. Babcock being fired. They won their first game in a while against the Coyotes tonight. And uh, we'll see, like, are things really in trouble there? Or is it was it just the coach and are they going to be okay now? So I'm gonna hope, I hope to have Mike DiStefano from Lockdown Leafs on in the next couple days. We'll chat about that as well. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Savers. Follow me on Twitter at SneakyJoeWGR. Like and subscribe wherever you're listening to the podcast right now, and I will talk to you tomorrow. This has been the Lockdown Savers Podcast with Joe DiBiase, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network.